Welcome. This is Karen Lodikaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. I'm really thrilled for you all. I have such a sweet treat. I know many of you have enjoyed when I've brought on clients to talk about their journeys of transformation, and I have a really special story to share with you. And I appreciate Brenda coming on and sharing and really going through what it takes to create the life that you want, to really be a deliberate creator. I know we want it to be nice and clean. (laughs) We want that fairy godmother, right? Wave the magic wand. Here's the transformation so I can live happily ever after. And often, as Brenda will share, we think the problem is one thing. And then we find out it's actually something else. But here's my invitation for you. It is learnable. It is doable. And you really can. I love Brenda's story so much because she really remembers her own resistance and the stories that almost didn't have her work with me. And I guess that's one reason we can be grateful for the pain that she was in because it was her trigger then to say, I don't believe it's possible for me, but I'm going to go do it because I just need something better in my life. So I'm going to let you listen to myself and Brenda talk and our conversation and I'll circle back with you. Well, I'm so excited because I get to see you. And as I said earlier, before we started taping, I get to end my workday with you on the virtual world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And what a joy. And then I know my listeners love to hear from clients about their own journeys and experience, right? Because we have this imagination of what our transformations will look like, right? It's usually like, oh, somebody's going to wave a wand or I'm going to feel better in about three days. But transformation is real when it's possible. And two, it varies from person to person. So I'm excited for you to share your story with us. Okay, so... We started working together in August 2017, so it's about four years ago now, and I was about a year down the track of a breakup with my husband of 14 years and together for 21, and I was shattered. I was trying to get over the whole divorce breakup thing as fast as I could, so so this part of my journey actually started with Brene Brown. So for some reason I found her through reading lots of self-help books. I was very good at absorbing content but not applying it. Still tend to do that. So anyway, so I was trying to find more about Brene because she was on her TED Talk and then I read some of her books and then I just started searching about things and she was on your podcast, this one, and so that's where I sort of found you. I was basically lost. I was broken, hopeless. I was overweight. So I was a good 20 kilos over what I should have been healthily. And I was sick, so sick of living like that because even during my marriage and as a kid, I sort of felt a bit lost and broken as well. And I just was done. And I just felt like I had nothing else left. So with you, it was kind of like a large ditch effort of some hope of can you possibly help me because I was trying something very different to what I'd done before with you. So I guess the two things back then was I wanted you to help me lose weight because I saw that as my real problem. And I also wanted you to change my mindset because I also, through all of the reading I'd done, realised that, you know, it was just a bit of a shit show. And you became my support army, you and all the people that you'd had on on your podcast because, you know, Michelle Woodward, oh, my God, so amazing. I've listened to her stuff so many times. You know, Karen Waldrand, Brene Brown, Kristen Neff, Carla McLaren, Mark Butler, you know, all these great people that I've listened to many times over the years as well. I go back. It's nice. So that's where I was at. 
Wow. So how much courage did it take you to, because you're in Australia and I'm here in the States, to reach out? I felt really stupid having to do it to start with. Well, once I watched, you know, listened to all the podcasts and had, you had all these wonderful people on, I was just like, why would she even work with someone as ordinary and normal and probably boring as I am? Because that's how I actually felt. I wasn't good enough. I thought I was just too run-of-the-mill, ordinary, Aussie girl. So, yes. So, as you all are listening, you can't see. Brenda can because now we have this cool thing where we can see each other. My mouth is hanging open because I never thought any of that. Right? I never thought of you as this ordinary person and why would I work with you? I saw somebody who really wanted life to be better, didn't quite know if it was possible for her and was being really brave and courageous and asking for help and saying, okay, it's now my turn. See, when you, you know, your website, I mean, what is your little motto that you have on there? It's for women who were. Who want to be leaders of their life. Yeah. And, and was it overachieving? Overachievers. Uh Uh-huh. So I saw that as like, you know, like CEOs and, and like top managers and these professional women that were just like fantastic. And I'm just going, I'm over here. I'm a high school teacher. I've been doing it for like 28 years, I think now. And I'm just, I just you know, I was just this mum and teacher. And that's why it just seemed like, oh, do I even fit into that category? It was big. (laughs) So we've been together almost four years. So how would you answer how what would you say to Brenda? Was it 2017? Is that what you said? 2017? What would you say to Brenda when she's sitting there with all those stories? What would you you knowing what you know now? What would you say to her? Do not hesitate. You absolutely go and give that a crack. It won't be easy. You will get in your own road. You'll stop yourself with some things. You'll question. You'll get a little bit cranky with Corinne and yourself, more yourself. But the changes that will happen for you, you cannot even, you cannot even see what will happen. It's just been amazing. Do you have a place that you belong? Yes, I do. Right. Are we a good fit together, you and I? I do believe so, yes. It's, you know, I have passion. I care about all of these people in my life and and I'm getting better at caring about myself in a very compassionate, empathetic way. <laughs> Brenda and I are laughing because there were so many calls, so many coaching sessions, and I would bring in compassion. And what would you say to when I would bring in compassion in those early days? You know, Corinne, I can't do that. I am not doing that because that feels to me like I'm giving myself permission to do nothing and be even lazier than I already think that I am. So, okay, I know that you're really into that and you really think that that's a good idea, but I'm going, hmm, no. Sorry, you know, I'm being a bit facetious right there, but no, 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 no. I am like laughing over here because it's bringing it all back, except she was sharper than that, you all. She was sharper. She came and I was like, bring it. Like, it is fun. She just asked me before we got on because I just spent the beginning of the week, I spent about 30 hours with the Air Force. And she's like, what did you say about me working with the Air Force? Oh, I just, I just can't imagine working with them because they're just so the opposite of what we do. Like they're just <laughs> they're like, ma'am, soft skills. We're, we're soft enough in the air force, but it's great because you're just as fierce as them, right? Like they care so much, right? The empathy and the care that they have for those that they lead is the same empathy that you have for your students. Like you care so much and that's that sharpness right? And I have that too. That sharpness that you have is that armor that's protected you your whole life. It's that hard thing to be able to learn how to care and not get taken advantage of or beaten down or, you know, have your heart smushed. And so we, we grow up putting this armor around that heart. And that's why I've always loved. And I still, to this day, think I should probably get it framed that picture that Renee has of the arms, the armored heart, right? Like for me, it's so beautiful because it's, 
clean. It's protected. You're not going to mess with me. But the problem is, is that we then get disconnected from ourselves and those that we care about and that we love. Right. And so that's the work that I love to do is people who are perceived to be hard on the outside, who have a lot of resistance is being able to take off that armor so that they can fully show up in who they are. That's the beauty. And that's what I've been able to see with you and witness with you, which is so fantastic. Yes. I mean, even as you talked just then, I was just remembering a couple of the underlying rules of living that I learnt as I was growing up. And one of them, like the rules sort of were designed to keep me small. You know, it was phrases like, Brenda, don't you get too big for your boots? You know, you just step off your high horse. Don't know what you think you're doing there. So it's it was messages that I now know were to not be too good, not be too big, not to actually live in the space that I'm actually supposed to be in. And it just reminded me that that was my conditioning from growing up all the way back. <laughs> this morning, I was thinking about like the big, I think a big mission that I'm now going to be on is really about giving ourselves permission to take up space in our lives, right? Because you're not the only one that's a, it's, you're not enough or you're too much, which is all rooted in shame, right? So you're not enough, be small over there. Oh, you're too much. You're taking up too much space. We need to take up space. We all have gifts to give in this world, right? And it's the essence of who we are, not, not the gifts of what we've accomplished, but it's who we are. And when, when you wouldn't be compassionate, you would armor up. And I'm like, but no, there's this human that cares so deeply and I can see her and I want to connect with her. And so <laughs> I loved when you, and you were always so willing to be, to share with me, you know, what you were thinking and what you were feeling at the time. And, and it was fine, right? Cause you had this resistance. I'm like, that's okay. And I'd be like, but compassion is really the way. And you're like, no, it's not correct. <laughs> yes so yes I have had resistance for quite some time but I would say in the last year or so I think it's gathered momentum a bit more where I've the resistance has been falling away and I've found now that the compassion that I have for myself more has allowed me to actually tap into the empathy and compassion I do have for other people as well. So it actually allows me when, when you know, a shit show happens or a situation's happening at work, it keeps happening. There's still shit shows <laughs> all over the place. Had one just a couple of days ago, which I'll tell you about. But I can see better now that that person is coming from their stories And that's a much more compassionate way for me to be able to interact with that person or solve whatever it is than before when I was armoured up and just going, "Eh, you're just a bitch, I'm sorry, but you're just being horrible. Like you don't need to be like that, really, get over yourself type thing, which I would also say to myself, that's how I would be with me. Now it's more like, ah, that's interesting that she said that and did that. Okay, so I can sort of see where that's coming from. All right, so let's see what we can do about this. So I'm finding that I can tap into my empathy for me and not beat myself up because I was very good at that. I still am, unfortunately. I still do it. But I'm just, I think I know that actually people are finding me easier to be with because I am easier with me. Yes. Yes. Yes right? That is so key. And that's the thing that's so hard to understand because when we go through life and we start to put that armor on to protect ourselves, we, we think it's safe, right? And this is the same with the military. It's like, they're like, ma'am, we're supposed to have armor. I mean, my husband said the same thing when I brought in Daring Way to the Aqua Monsters, you know, a long time ago. And he's like, you don't put your armor in your shields, Jen. What are you talking about? When you go into battle, you know, it's like, you got to keep that armor on. And same thing with, with us, right? We put that armor on our heart because we wouldn't want anyone to mess with it. We want to be safe. And so taking it off, that's vulnerable. It feels scary. It's like, but wait a second. Now I'm not protected. But actually, you're more protected because of your love. Yes. 
So last year, this was sort of a bit of an epiphany. So it's, it, it was a big step forward in a way. I used to, so I've been teaching for a very long time. So high school students, so they're teenagers, you know, wonderful people. They've got all of their, you know, interesting way that they are during that phase. A lot of them don't particularly like teachers all that much. You know, I think they treat it a bit like, you know, we're keeping them in jail because they have to be at school and they don't want to be there. And for someone like me, because I always wanted to teach, always. I was grade three, I think, when I decided teaching's for me. And so I've done it for a very long time. And last year I'd got to the point where I was walking around with this just poker face, like a, almost like a scowl on my face, and I'd be thinking, why don't any of the kids like me? I'm just so sick of this. I just keep bending over backwards for these kids. I give them so much all of the time and this is how they treat me. So part of it was, well, actually, I'm a really good person and I really love them and I really care about them and I really want them to do better. And then I stopped and I went, well, yes, those things are true. But why are you walking around like you're a thundercloud? What are they seeing and experiencing? The thundercloud and this is not you. So I went, oh, okay. So then I had to practice actually showing on the outside what I was feeling on the inside, which was the love and the caring and the wanting them to do well. And so I started just simple things like saying hello more often. I used to do it, but it, it, I changed how I was doing it. Now, Oh my God, I've got these kids saying, oh, will you come on to our year 12 camp with us, please? Please, we really want you there. Oh, I, I'm taking, I've changed out of these other subjects and I'm taking yours now. And so now I have these kids who, the different subjects that I teach, like I've got the same kids in three different subjects and they just, they will come to me and they will just talk to me about the subject because they still want to learn that, but other things going on in their lives a little bit. And just I think the ease of me showing actually the true inside has come out. So I dropped that armour you're talking about with those students. And, yes, not all of them love me, heck no, but there are a lot who have really experienced what was inside me now because I changed that outside a bit. I have chills up and down all my extremities. Oh, my gosh. Because I remember we had a coaching session and you had talked to me about that and to see a year later how far that has transformed your yes. relationship with the students, your, you know, transformed your work environment, right? Like, holy moly. If I had told you this four years ago that this was possible, what would you have told me? Yeah, bullshit. So those of you naysayers out there. <laughs> Honestly, I would have went, there is absolutely no way it's going to be like that. No. So, and, that, yeah. and that's why most people go, well, I, this is horrible. These students are horrible. This, this, you know, education now is horrible. So now I need to leave. Right. And you may at some point leave, right. You've been doing it and there's other things that you may want to do, but if you do leave now versus then, won't it be different for you? Yes, it will. Because I'm still really good at my job because I work hard at it. And if I go, I would like to go out still doing that good job. And I think I'm actually in a way doing it better than I probably ever have right now. And I sort of feel because of this four years we've done together is I'm, I feel as though I'm ready for a bit of a level up with how I've treated my finances and my career up until now. So in a way, teaching for me, I've since found out, was sort of like a security blanket for me because it is very secure where, you know, the way that it works here in Australia for where I am. And, um, you know, it was an environment I knew. I knew I wanted to help people. It was a great way to do it. And now I sort of feel as though actually I think I have the potential to do better than this and earn more which is my next big, you know, challenge that you and I actually talk about a little bit already. So so that's where I'm looking at is changing careers because I have been doing it for quite some time and I think I've run the race. I think I'm just about, I'm quite happy with, with it and possibly a change would be good. 
But to be able to do it from this state, right, where you have confidence and belief in yourself and you're not leaving going, oh, that was horrible, right, with your head down, like you, you're, you're going to leave with your head high and said, I did. Well done, Brenda. Well done. And now I get to go on and do the next thing that lights me up and it's going to be filled with challenges, right, and stuff, but that you get to grow and flourish and evolve to. Yes. Yes. So what has happened over the last, again, year is I've actually been consulting and it has exponentially multiplied where I've helped, there's been about five now from different towns that just, it just absolutely lights me up from the inside. It fills my cup to the brim when they just go, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. Thank you so much for explaining that or showing how that fits together. I can teach this better now. And they walk away with, you know, shoulders back, head up, confident. They walk into the classroom. They're better as their teacher. The students benefit. I go back just, you know, floating on air, back to work. And it's possibly the start of maybe something new that I can do. But right now it's still a part of it's just what I give. I don't get paid for it. But there's something yeah. in it that's just brilliant. Yeah. Well, and there's different ways to get paid too, right? So sometimes we can think, oh, it has to be in that monetary. And not that, I mean, I love money and I think it's really great to get paid. So I'm not saying that. But it's also remembering that because we don't want to discount when we do something and it fills us up and say, oh, but there's not you know, a check that's attached to it because probably the most important work that you and I both do, and it's the hardest work that we both do is raising children. And there is no paycheck with that. Right. And there's a lot of pain and agony and it is the most important work. And it is for me, the hardest work that I do in my life. And I screw up all the time. I screw up all the time. Oh yes. I I'm aware of my own screw ups as well (laughs) with my two sons, much as I love them. And luckily they love me too. (laughs) And, and and I think that part, so the money part, like I, you know, I love helping my clients make money and make more money. And I'm always about, we have to celebrate, right? We have to celebrate, celebrate the small moments. Because if we start to say, oh, well, it's just this, or it's just that, we're starting to diminish ourselves, right? We gaslight ourselves. And it's in those small ways. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little nitpicky because it's like, you know, I'm like that English teacher that's like always upset about one little thing, like you didn't dot the I this is where I say it's like death by a thousand paper cuts, right? It's a Taylor Swift thing. So fill yourself up with this because you love it. And you, then you can figure out other ways to grow an income from it. I mean, I speak that as I sit here and I talk with you, when I remember driving to the radio station, who the hell was I to have a talk radio show on the air? I didn't even like talk radio. I didn't have any experience. I didn't have any training in it. And the reason I was doing it was because I was screwed up as a parent and I couldn't figure out how to do this life balance thing that everybody was talking about. And I had stepkids and my, my birth kids and they, we were all crying and I was working too much jobs and I just needed an answer of how to be better, right? And I wanted the quick fix. And I'll never forget that day driving to the station and I had tears go down my eyes. And for the first time in my life, it wasn't for personal advancement, right? Like I didn't know that this would be my life. It wasn't because I was getting paid. It wasn't because of a raise. It wasn't any ladder climbing. It was just something that I finally said, yes, Corinne, this can fill your heart. Go do it. Go try it. And it's okay if you suck at it because maybe nobody will be listening and you can shut it down after six weeks. And here I am went almost 15 years later and I figured out how to build a business and all of that stuff and have these guests. So that's why I say we never know Thank God I wasn't attached to, you know, a transactional relationship. And, you know, yes, the way I thought I would monetize my podcast were very different than the way I've done it, but I just kept at it. And, you know, now I've built this thing and it's amazing. So that's, that's why I share that with you is you love it. You light up. It's in your skill set. You're on the path, right? Like you, you didn't know, like when you went and took that course, like this is what it was going to turn out to be and that these teachers were going to want your help and that you were going to be able to help them and you're going to feel good. Like you didn't know that. And this is where, you know, Martha Beck, I love, you know, finding your North star and are you warmer? Are you colder? 
right? We just need to know the next step. We don't need to have the whole pathway. And I know those of us that like certainty, and I'm one of them, even though I'm recovering, like to have the whole path. But yes. pay attention, oh, yes. create that awareness one step at a time. Mm. I'm really excited for you. I <laughs> know. Uh, it's really good. Look, you know, when I think about that consulting, like I do know that even if we hadn't worked together, could I have done that? Yes, I could have. But I, I also know that I would not have been nearly as effective as I am now. And I just know for a fact because even the way I approach that new person, because it's very vulnerable for them to reach out and ask for help. So being able to be a person on the other end of that and support that teacher in a way that empowers what they already have, I'm just so much better at doing that than I would have been not having done this work so far. So I want to circle back because you had said, you know, like on the top of my website, it was like, I help overachievers be leaders of their lives, right? Or something like that. That was kind of like a stop for you. Like, oh, who am I to reach out to Corinne? Who are you not to reach out to me? And isn't it interesting how we think it's like, oh, I don't have this title, but is it really about the title that we have? So I guess the things... The reason that title affected me a little bit is because because I had got to the point where I didn't trust any of my own judgment. You know, I just thought everyone else knows better than I do. You know, I'm the one who's getting it wrong all the time. I'm the one who needs to do more and I need to do better. And I don't know how to do that because that's what I've been doing and it's exhausting trying to keep all the plates spinning, which wasn't working because they were dropping anyway. And I was so tired. I was on antidepressants at the point. That was actually my choice as well because I wanted to be even and cope enough to work and look after my boys after the separation. But still, I didn't want to have to stay on them. And I'm not. Like, it only lasted about a year or so. So that was a part of... I really felt like it was my mindset that needed to change and that I didn't need to keep, you know, drugs to do that, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And so I wanted to get to a point where it was like that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I have. And you worked with the physician, right? Like we worked together and you worked with the physician and, and handled that part. And so yes. you used that as a, as a tool to help you. And then when you didn't need it and you were able to go without it, you worked with your doctor about that. So basically what you're telling me is my copy on my website needs to change. <laughs> it's a barrier. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because it was... I don't think so because it was still just my story about myself. You know, I, so I, I found that I had limiting beliefs, which I didn't call them that then, mm-hmm. but they were the constant sort of thoughts in my head that would continually go over and over again. So the most common ones was there is actually something wrong with me, which is why I can't do all of these things. I also said I can't do this. I'm not enough. I'm too much. I'm lazy, I'm a fraud, I'm grumpy, I'm sarcastic, I'm bitchy. And those stories never helped me be my best self. Yet they, I mean, they still come up even now, some of those. it's It means there's just more work I have to do on them. But they certainly are not running my life like they did then. Maybe I need to put, I help overworkers <laughs> stop the exhaustion. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Woohoo, you'll get everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But but there is that like, so, and it's interesting because I'm really, I've been thinking about that, that the wording there, because you are an overachiever, right? And then what do we give that meaning to? Some people will say like, you were like, oh, I'm not the CEO. And it's so funny because like I have this one client and she's like, I don't identify with overachiever. And so whenever I coach her, I'm always like, okay, high achiever, right? but she's an overachiever. She will step into that. And part of it is is that when we don't feel enough, we dial that up, like we dial up whatever it is. And so we have been told if you want to be good, work hard. So then it's like, well, if working hard isn't working and it's all a shit show, I just have to work harder. The problem is, is that when you're rooted in shame, it becomes a total shit show. Right. And so you just keep dialing it up, dialing it up, but you're fueling it with shame. And that's what's coming out versus yes, exactly. when you're in rooted in love and compassion like you are now in you work. That's what you're spreading more of. Yes. 
I am. And, you know, we, you talked about parenting before, and I was always a, a very, I, I did, a, I really wanted to be a good parent because I was kind of aware that I guess, you know, my parents, I'm sure, did the best they could with what they had at the time, yet, you know, I was still a product of what that was, and I didn't want to go in and parent the same way. So, so when I had my boys, I was very careful and very just finding out what I could about parenting in a better way so that they didn't end up with the same, I don't know, hang-ups as what I had. And so I've always done that and I've had a pretty good relationship with my boys. But I did actually ask one of my boys, so have I changed much over the last, I don't know, four years? So have you got anything for me? And he, and he said, um, well... You're more independent now, Mum, he said. And I said, uh, what do you mean? And he goes, oh, well, you know the cat enclosure out the side of the house? Well, you know, you've, like, built that whole thing yourself. And I'm just going, yep, I get the drill out and I know what Dinobolts are. And he also said, you're happier. Yeah, you're definitely happier. And I just went, okay, so so what do you mean by happier because I'm all about drilling down to the specific detail is what I do. And um, he said, oh, I don't know really how to say it, but you can just tell with some people, like just how they are and how they look. Yeah, you're happier. And so I just thought that was like, oh, my heart. It was so good. So it was really nice to get that feedback from him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, it, yeah. And I mean, you're radiant now like you just radiate right and it's not again like i'm so grateful that you shared look there was still a work situation the other day right like there still are difficult things i think we so often think okay once i get to the promised land there are not going to be any shit shows and i'm like oh no mm. <laughs> they'll still be there oh yes <laughs> they are yes but it yes. doesn't take us down at our knees no right? that is exactly right that's that's what I have found. I mean, I had a big one at the end of last year. Last year was interesting because of COVID, as everyone knows. And so we were all quite exhausted because we hadn't actually stopped for, and we had no holidays for easily nine months because we were preparing for online. But towards the end of the year, there was a work situation that happened that just none of us could understand why they made this decision. It was to do with reporting. Once upon a time, it would have been a shame storm for me thinking I was not good enough because I didn't get this right. I stuffed it up. But instead, when it started to come out, I found myself more calm and centered. And I just sent an email to say, so with reporting and this that you want us to do, are you meaning this? And so I actually found I could just approach it more calmly. And I didn't take it on board like there was something wrong with me because actually there wasn't. And it turned out it was, you know, there must have been behind the scenes things that we didn't know anything about. It was their stories about what they were trying to achieve because later it's been retracted and it's changed anyway because it didn't quite work the way they wanted it to either. But I just liked the fact that I could create that space between our situation, thinking it was me, but actually it was nothing really to do with me and something and me not being enough or anything. So it was just better. And I feel better about my management too, instead of sort of vilifying them and saying, oh God, they're just bastards. I've got no idea. What are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. I, none of that happened for me. So it's getting better. <laughs> it is. So I'm going to help connect this for you is, you know, in empathy and compassion, that final attribute is mindfulness for both of them. And mindfulness is the ability to understand your thoughts and your feelings and not get attached to them. And that's exactly what you did, right? You could see it. You can even notice like, oh, taking it on that self-identification, over-identification. And you're like, no, it's not me. And being able to have that agency where you can, instead of having to get everybody else's opinion about it, or trying to get, you know, like I, I used to do this, like, oh, well, I don't want this to be true. So let me see if I can get all these people to feel sorry for me and they can sit with me in the swampland of shame and be like, no, Corinne, it's yes. really not. It's really not. You're you're being this, you're being treated so unfairly and poorly, right? And I, they would feel sorry mm. for me, but we'd be sitting in that swampland and I didn't feel better. Just for a moment, I get those yep. dopamine hits, but it's kind of like looking at your phone all the time, right? It doesn't really feel mm -hmm. better over the long haul or eating the three bowls of ice cream. This is what we're talking about is being able to have that space 
in between what has happened, checking in with, okay, what's going on? What may be my part? What's not my part, right? What can we learn from it? I mean, you've heard me say this, like oftentimes I'll say, well, that person is your teacher, right? Like these difficult people are teachers. So what can we learn? Not that we're looking for fault finding, right? It's not about blaming you that, oh, Brenda, it's all your fault. But like, what can we learn so that we can move forward in our life to have what we want instead of getting taken down at our knees. Yes. And even as you're talking there, I remembered another aspect of that situation was I really felt like they were asking too much of me or us because lots of us were involved in this. And I felt the unfairness of that and disempowered and just how dare they, that kind of thing. And I found from doing this that I actually found a way to maintain my boundaries, still achieve what they were after, but do it in a way that I still honoured my own integrity through that whole process. And for me, that's big because normally I'd capitulate and I'd just bend over backwards and I'd hate it, but I'd still do it. And, And it's not that I didn't do it. I just found a way that I could do it and keep my boundaries and my integrity. So I was proud of me for that. (laughs) So when we get in the Dare to Lead group, when we get to that living big section, this is an example of living big, right? It's boundaries, living in in your integrity, you know, living with generosity to yourself and to others. Instead of thinking they're out to get you like, oh, maybe they're not out to get you. They may just not even understand, Hmm. right? Yes. They may just not even understand. This is what living big looks like. And, you know, I guess that's my version of taking up space in your life. Hmm. You know, there was one thing I did want to mention here that I think it's important for if anyone listens to this and, and gets something out of this is you talk about people getting on and off the elevator. I remember at the beginning of this, I was terrified of, I just felt like everyone was getting off the elevator. I would have nobody left. And that's a very vulnerable place for me to be is that it would just be me. And me, and me. I was with you. Yes. <laughs> but I was, yes. I was on a different continent, but I was with you. You're like, yeah. Yes. But I, you're like, but I pay you, Corinne. <laughs> True. I did say that. You're right. I did say that. Yes. So up until, like, if I look at, like, right now, you know, there's been some downs. Like, you know, I have had, you know, I had a really serious wobble with my sister through getting good at my boundaries. It was sort of like something that had to break apart to then come back together better than it ever actually has. And while we're still getting there, you know, that that hurt me so deeply. And that was kind of like someone getting off the elevator with me because, it just couldn't happen at that time, you know, and I've lost friends and I've had to know that that was going to happen. Yet keeping my boundaries for my own compassion and love and looking after myself, it had to happen. But what I found, especially in the last year or so, is I got my wonderful ex-sister-in-law, Deb, who has been able to stay on the elevator with me, which is brilliant, and a friend from school. She's brilliant too. But new people have got on, and I have to say this because it was one thing that I always yearned for is that I, I, a relationship with a guy that was so very different to what I'd experienced up until now where, you know, we were equal, that we, he was caring, he was generous, and me being able to be the same way with him. So a really, a really wholehearted, good relationship, and I have started that this year which honestly I didn't think would ever happen. I thought I was, <laughs> it's going to sound silly, but I thought I was looking for a unicorn, so it didn't exist, but he does. And honestly, I do not think, like I, I probably would have got a relationship eventually, but I don't know that I would have actually been the right person for him as I am now because of this. And he's shown me that I can be loved in the way that I always wanted to be, but it did take me to love myself better to have that in my life. So, so he got on the elevator with me. So it's great. I just love this. So just to you all, I probably talked about it on a show, but just because maybe you haven't heard it, what typically happens is when my clients come to me, they have this pretty crowded elevator. I mean, full lives, people that they've just collected. And a lot of times it's toxic cultures, right? So 
and you have these people and it's crammed and you're like sardines. And again, if we're talking about taking up space now, right, this is not a concept that I used back then, but if you're taking up space in your elevator, some people have to get off. And that gets scary because we all have FOMO, fear of missing out, not being popular enough. Like that's one of my shame triggers, right? And what I say is that as you do this work and you start to rise up to the best version of yourself, which is inside of you, right? People start to get off because, well, you're not accommodating for them. You're not going to take care of their crises. You're not going to fix things for them. You're not going to cover things for them. You're not going to do this for them, right? Which was, you start to realize a lot of people that are getting off are typically the takers in Mm. your life, right? They're Mm -hmm. not the givers or they're the gaslighters in your life and they get off and it gets really scary because at some point it's really you and I in the elevator, right? And then there's that, but I pay you, Corinne. And I'm like, but I'm really on your team, Hmm. you know, and I know it's going to unfold in it. This is where, this is that vulnerability that Brene talks about, right? It's uncertainty, it's emotional exposure and it's risk and it's dark and it's scary. But then what happens if you keep at it, the elevator starts to open and it's like, okay, there's one and there's another. And the metaphor I use is always like, it's like a fine, you know, the exquisite handbags or something like you go into those boutiques and there's very little stuff in there. Right. But so now you get the right people and there's actually space for you. And so my dear, this is what's happened in your life. Yes. So, you know, my work is, is better because of me, like all of this happened before some people might think, oh, just because of a guy, yay, you, you, you're there, you know. Like this all started happening before that and it will continue after if, if it ever, you know, if that happens. But, you know, I yearned for these things that are, are in my life now that work is good, I'm good. Are they still shit shows? Yes. You know, had one two days ago. I was on Facebook. I noticed that there was a notification, me being tagged in some photos so I went in there because normally I, you know, it's sister-in-law or family that goes, they've taken photos and they tag you. And I looked at this one and it was um, me tagging myself in my new account. And it was a fake account that had been created using my photo and my name. So I went, holy shit. And so it was a, so what, what happened for me then is uh, because I am a teacher and I'm very professional and I'm very careful about who I have on my Facebook, I care about all the people who are on there. So I didn't want them to have to deal with this because people were being spammed then with friend requests and messengers and all of this. But rather than sort of going into a shame storm and going, oh, my God, I haven't done enough. What have I done for this? Uh, uh, what, you know, this type of thing. Instead, I was able to handle it calmly go, okay, where am I going to start first? Let people know, et cetera, et cetera. And I was able to contain it within an hour. There were several accounts, but they were all shut down really, really quickly. And I was able to confidently do that. So, so yeah, it was good. I love that. And thank you for showing like what you would have done in the past versus what you do now. And that's an example of grounded confidence. Like you're aware there's risks, right? There's responsibilities, there's your integrity, there's your way of being. And then it's like, okay, what is the next step? What do I need to do? Right. And you didn't argue with reality, maybe a little bit, but you didn't argue with reality, right? Like this is what's happening. Yes. My goal is to shut it down. Yeah. Yay you. Yay me. <laughs> I'm getting good at the yay me's. <laughs> oh, that's huge. That's so huge. <laughs> yes. Well, Brenda, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your personal transformation. You, my dear, inspire me. Oh, really thank do. you. You, you really still do. inspire me, no doubt. And and all the people we get to work with in our group too. They're wonderful. And we, and we get to rise up together, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the thing is that we're all on this journey and there's this evolution and the fact that, you know, you kept going and there was a lot of resistance, right? But you kept going and you were brave and it was messy and there've been lots of tears over the years. But look at it. You didn't give up. You didn't quit on you. And look at what you created for yourself. So, yes, I'm here and I'm happy. It's great. <laughs> thank you for letting me be a witness on this journey. Well, well, thank you for being able to stick with me this long and do it. It's been great. It's been my privilege. I love you, my dear. Uh, I, love, I love you too. <laughs> so five years ago, I wrote down what I yearned for. The word yearn was so true for me because I really that word just fit perfectly. So I wrote down that I yearned for a deep, equally fulfilling relationship. 
I yearned to be centred, balanced, standing on my own two feet. I yearned for well-being, fitness and health. I yearned for joy, fun and excitement. I yearned to be seen. And I yearned also to let go of my limiting beliefs and help others with all of this, what we're doing right now. And I'm here right now and I am doing and I have all of those things. And I just, yeah, just even simple things like I have a clean and tidy house now. Five years ago, that was really tough for me to do. I control my money better. I'm 15 kilos lighter. This is the lightest I've been in five years. (laughs) This is more me again. I think in ways that serve me better now. I have much healthier boundaries with myself and others in my life. And I just feel like I'm on the edge of levelling up yet again with different parts of my life. Yeah. So this being able to help people or share this with others in the hope that something sparks for them, this I just love this part. Thank you for sharing your journey because this is possible for you and you didn't think so five years ago. This is what you yearned for and you created it. Yeah. Right. And your story matters and think of like all these different people who are going to be listening, the thousands and thousands of people that will be listening to the show and they're going to take away nuggets. And maybe this gives them hope and a belief that, Hey, if that's possible for Brenda, what is possible for me? Yes. And it is possible. I thought I was the most ordinary person and I possibly still am, but it is in your mindset and everything that you've helped me, coached me on all of this. It's been brilliant. And you are extraordinary, my dear. You are extraordinary. (laughs) Why, thank you. (laughs) The the heart that you have and the care, right? It's not about the titles and all the accomplishments, all of that stuff that we've been all fed, right? In the end. It's, it's the hearts that we have. It's the humans that we are, mm-hmm. right? Can we connect with people and with our people, right? We're not a fit for everybody, but you are yes. extraordinary. So well, it honestly, you. it's been an honor and a privilege to work with you. Oh, you just so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you always thought that. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't what you would tell me. <laughs> Oh, I still was very grateful that you were working with me. That never changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't you just adore her? <laughs> she is so fantastic and radiant and glowing and so full of life and enthusiasm. And I appreciate her willingness to share and be vulnerable with you all and really share her story because if that is possible for her, what is possible for you? And really think about that. She thought she was an ordinary person that wasn't anybody special. But in fact, she's quite extraordinary. And when we were able to finally take off that armor and for her to practice being vulnerable and really trusting in herself and going after what she wanted, that's where she gets to shine. And again, I love her honesty and her integrity about there are still shit shows. (laughs) I think that's one of the lies we've been fed. Like, oh, once you once you work hard enough, once you get it all together, it'll be great. There aren't difficult people. There aren't difficult situations. My friend, that's a big fat lie. But what does happen is like the story she shared about the whole Facebook identity issue is you can handle the stuff with much greater ease and much less cost to you. The one thing I'm going to circle back with her that I didn't get a chance to, and maybe you heard it and caught it. But she says she's a good teacher because she works really hard. And in a coaching session, I am going to challenge that because she is a good teacher. She has a body of work and experience and she cares. And yes, has she worked hard? Absolutely. I'm not saying don't work hard. I work hard. But we can take that strength of ours and make that the reason we are valuable or we are worthy. And that becomes a really dangerous path for us. She's a good teacher because she cares, because she's committed to her students, because she understands the body of work that she's teaching and she's willing to learn. Even to this day, she's taking courses and learning and challenging and growing. That's why she's a good teacher. But we can get stuck into that, oh, I work really hard. That's why I'm a good teacher. 
And that becomes a really dangerous territory because our strengths become our weaknesses, especially when we're rooted in shame. And we dial up that strength. We're like, oh, if I don't feel very good about myself, if I'm not enough, all I have to do is just keep working harder, keep working harder, keep working harder. And that's where the burnout happens. That's where the self-hatred happens. That's where we want to quit and give up versus we do work hard. We're committed. We're focused. And then we get to go and have a good time and enjoy our life because my friends, this is our one precious life and it's about time we enjoy it. Yes, work, work hard, overcome struggles and also fill yourself up, fill yourself up with joy, with gratitude, because that is what's going to allow you to sustain through this thing we call life. All right. I am smiling big for you. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short. They're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life because people often want to know, what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide